This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today, second-year medical student Taname Kone. Hey, what's up, Dave? You know. Taname. Yeah, we have, some, we have some folks in here, don't we? Well, I was feeling a little nervous. Oh, God, what's up, Dave? Because there are people here that with us that I've never met before, and my social anxiety is just ratcheting up to a screaming horror. Oh, it's huge, isn't it? Well, who are these people? What do they want? Will oh, they no. like me? Will I say yes, something embarrassing? Yes. Yeah, they're from all across the U.S. Well, maybe you can help yeah, so introduce first, me. We have all the way from the Lone Star State... Haley. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> also from Puerto Rico, right? Nope. Brazil. Nope. Brazil. Oh, <laughs> from Brazil. Yanka. Hi. And I'm, I forget where Miranda's from. Seattle. Seattle. Excellent. Yes. Well, ever technically, but Seattle. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Seattle's a lovely city. Texas is a lovely city. I've never been to Texas, but I do like your word, y'all. That that's a signature. I, well, it's just the most useful word, you know, th- that I know. <laughs> Y'all is such a useful word in that you know we, there is no plural. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's not. Well, interesting fact about all these nice three ladies is they're all in their summer health professions education program. Is that what that stands yeah. for? Shpep. Shpep. As call it. Yeah, but Shpep has a pretty long history. It started all the way back from uh, in 1989. It was originally called the Minority Medical Education Program, so MMEP. Um, l- later on in 2003, it was opened up to reflect its focus to expand to more uh, cultural, geographic, and socio- socioeconomic diversity. And then it was renamed the Summer Medical Education Program, SMEP. And then in 2006, this was the iteration of the program that I participated in back when I was a sophomore in undergrad. It was changed to SMDEP when it in- included dentistry in the mix. And then now, post-2016, the name was changed to SHPEP when they when they added uh, pharmacy and public health. So, yeah, it's been expanding quite the a bit. De- the dentists are still with us, though. Yeah, right? they're still I, with I, us. I thought yes. you were going to say they... they no. <laughs> they just cut out the... Dentist. Get the dentist out of here. <laughs> just kidding. Dentist, you're always welcome. Any future dentists in the crowd? That would be me. Oh, man, that was close. I almost <laughs> insulted the dentist. <laughs> oh, no. So uh, one thing we've you guys have been talking about in Shvep is interprofessional education, right? Mm-hmm. So h- how do you guys think you guys will carry over what you've learned in those few sessions you've had here back to your home institutions? Well, what have you learned? Yeah, what, what have you guys learned? Um, I guess we the main thing that we've learned is the the necessity of collaboration between the different sections of the healthcare. So, you know, you're the best is to have the primary care doctor connecting with every single specialty and especially with pharmacy as well. We just want to make sure that everyone's on the same page with every single patient. 
think most importantly also is we talked about the importance of public health and how health not just affects the people who can afford it, but people who are disproportionately affected by health. And with CHPEP and the minority students in CHPEP, we want to serve our own communities, but as well as work with other communities and address health disparities in those communities as well. And the biggest thing that I've gotten out of the program is being able to like just talk and connect with people like mm-hmm. like-minded and motivated as I am to pursue a passion that they enjoy. How are you guys going to carry this back to when you leave the program? So how are you going to stay teamwork oriented, group focused? Do you guys have plans for when you go back? Um, I think the main thing is taking into consideration the other careers in the healthcare system. Yeah. Uh, for example, I did not know what public health was and now getting to know the field and how important it is in connection with everything we do um, just allows me to appreciate it and include it into what I want to do. Also echoing to Hyanka, um, taking what we learned and with public health as well. Um, and not doing our own stuff in silos. So going back to Seattle, it's very different from what I've learned here in Iowa. However, I've learned to expand not my not like not only focusing on medicine or public health, but in dentistry and what dentistry is focusing on and what they want to accomplish or in pharmacy. So it's very important that we don't exist in silos. And it's very cool that we're doing it here in Chapet. And another big thing that I have taken from the program is that this is all about working together. You can't really do it by yourself. You have to be able to open your eyes and kind of look across the room and see, okay, what can we do together to kind of make this better than it was before? And before the program, I really just said, okay, this is what I need to do and I only need to do this. But now I'm really seeing, okay, but if you can do it with other people, there's other perspectives that can be taken from it. Yeah, exactly. That's a a really good point. And I encourage you guys, when you go back to your home institutions, like find people there that can help you, right? Because that's one thing you've learned is you can't do it by yourself. You need to have people in your corner. You always want to have people in your corner here at the University of Iowa, but you also want to find those people back at your home institution that can help you get to where you want to go. It's one of the hardest things to do is to put yourself out there and say, hey, I need a hand with... X, you know, I need a, I need to, uh, you know, use you for a clinical experience. I need to follow you around. I need to, to um, get a, a letter of recommendation. I need to, you know, like put yourself out there and ask people for something. Um, I think that's hard to do. Um, and so, yeah, putting yourself out there and asking for help, and it's a skill that you that you learn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Asking for help is um, something that. We've all kind of struggled with, and especially it's a scene, a sign of weakness in yeah a lot of situations. Yeah, yeah, but it's not, and, and it's essential in medicine. Mm-hmm. It is essential. I mean, you need help all the time. You need help from coworkers. You need help for from uh, from colleagues who know more about something than you do. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of that. If you become, if you go into research, um, you may need help with. Perf- finding a new research or understanding a different research technique or a, 
you know, something something along those lines. I'm just making shit up at this point. Yeah, yeah. and actually, uh, one interesting characteristic that I noticed that I'm like now thinking of is that all the students and like my mentors that I look up to, um, they've always been able to collaborate mm-hmm. so naturally. Like it never has been a second thought to them, and so that's kind of what I want to exude. I want to be able to do what they do and just ask people, hey, how'd you do that? Show me. <laughs> well, let's be clear. At one point, they were where you are. Right. <laughs> and didn't really, hadn't really thought about collaboration and how important it is and, and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Cool. One, one big thing I learned my first year here at Iowa um, is that sometimes you go and ask help even, you know, for people that you don't know. Uh, my first year I depended a lot on my counselor and professors, which I didn't even have but we're willing to help. And so just being able to have that support group anywhere you are is very, very, very crucial. It is. It's very, it's very crucial. And it, it makes the journey um, all the much more um, bearable, easier, and it, it, help, it helps you get through it for sure. We're going to be talking about education costs. Oh, that's a scary topic. Well, so the the average medical student debt in 2016 uh, was just over $190,000, with experts anticipating that the 2017 numbers would be even higher. The cost of education is real, although numbers are terrifying. The um, the uh, Association of American Medical Colleges (AAMC) believes that this debt is manageable for medical students. In an article posted on their site, they list several ways of servicing this debt, such as military service income-based repayment, loan forgiveness programs, name a few. As undergraduates, is student loan debt something that worries you? Um, I don't personally think about it, even though I know I might come out of medical school having to sell my kidney to pay for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so? We don't endorse <laughs> well, selling right, right, right. kidneys okay. on this show. <laughs> so, um, I've never really made that into an excuse of, of not going to medical school. Mm-hmm. My biggest fear, to be honest, is the time. And I always keep in mind something my mom told me, which is, you know, even if you take 12, 13 years to get through it, those years will pass by no matter what. So you can either spend them doing something, you know, that's going to help you get to your goal or doing anything else and get to the end of those 12 years and say, oh, I could have done that. So if money is the problem, it shouldn't be because it comes and goes. Once again, Mom. Oh, my mom's awesome. With the wisdom. <laughs> Clutch. She is good. Um Yeah, like I I I I don't know if this Okay, so I hear about this debt thing all the time, right? Yeah, Cuz I work thing. in a medical school and yeah. you guys are always stressing out about it. I'm I'm pretty stressed about it. What about you guys? Are you Is this something that you guys have thought and planned for or maybe just thought of? Definitely thought about it and talked about it with my family. Mm -hmm. I do have some family members who have been and are in some sort of health professional school. And they said, you know, you pay it off in the end. You're into a lucrative, it's a good business, it's a cure. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, yes, as an undergraduate, you see the cost of going into health professional school. And it's staggering because there are some people who um, aren't able to maybe make that enough you know um so as an undergraduate it's worrisome worrisome but you know that you're not in this alone which is important and for me at least i have family members who went through this and knowing that 
they can come out of it okay, I can come out of it okay. Mm-hmm. Having that support system is really important. Mm-hmm. I think that debt is going to be one of the norms for the future of education because the cost of education is rising. There's no doubt about that. And it's most likely going to keep rising until, you know, volcano erupts and the world collapsed. I don't know. But... Well, the death <laughs> but, volcano erupts. That's nice. <laughs> volcano. volcano. But um, there, to me, it is a bit of a barrier. Um, I've always kind of thought of med school, dental school, pharmacy school as the rich kid profession. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for a working student to try to uh, balance both work and school. So when they do get accepted into a graduate program, they have to let go of one and just accept the debt. Yeah. And I think once the earlier you can accept that, the earlier and the easier it will be off. It will be for you in the future. So aren't, aren't a lot of uh, med students, for instance, with uh, side jobs. Right. Yeah. It's um, hard to work and do med school. Yeah. That's- um, one of the things that I think about, yeah, I mean, we've, we've already mentioned, you know, earning potential after graduation is pretty good pretty for good. most mm-hmm. professional healthcare yeah. folks. Um, m- medicine in particular has a pretty good reputation yeah. for it. I think where people get into trouble is where they adjust to their new pay level. They adjust, they don't, they adjust to their new pay level too early. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, you know, lit when you're, when you're, a, an attending live like a resident, when you're a resident, live like a student. Um, if you do that, I think you'll be in pretty good shape for, you know, at, at some point, not too far in the, in the future. I feel like I ran the numbers at some point, some theoretical numbers. And I was yeah. like, if you can do that, you can pay off your debt within a decade. Yeah, that's that's definitely my hope. That's is, a, that's like cutting things to the like to, to ramen, the minimum. Ramen noodles every other day, probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you, I don't know if you have yeah. to go that far, but <laughs> but you know, maybe. I mean, for for me, I'd go that far because I just maybe I just Mark hate... Mubarak's prison pad Thai noodles. Okay, which is a del- uh, delicacy uh, that he perfected <laughs> as a student. I just hate the idea. Of, of debt and even 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 from for undergrad for went to college i was thinking like you know like how much am i gonna be in debt from undergrad and fortunately i was only in about like fourteen thousand dollars from undergrad and i was okay with that because i knew i was gonna oh i i, I knew going through school that i would need to do something that would allow me to pay that off and so i wasn't sure if i was gonna do med school at the beginning of undergrad but i knew that i would work hard and that i would find a job out of school i wouldn't be like a statistic that got in education all this debt and you weren't able to find a job out of school but when i got into med school i felt better because like okay i can pay off this money um but even with med school i'm trying to keep my costs as low as possible mm-hmm. throughout to minimize yeah. the debt that i'll have to incur because right now it's like the interest rates like they're still they're still kind of scary like like it's not like it's not like horrific, but it's not a nice interest rate either, especially with um, all these unsubsidized loans. I think that, and I th- I should qualify what I said too. If you're, it you know it it's going to depend on your circumstances after yeah after graduation. You know you could end up in like I don't know let's say San San Francisco, where the cost of living is horrendous, ridiculous, 
And so that would affect your calculations quite a bit. Or you could end up in Iowa <laughs> where, <laughs> you know, rent's not too bad. It's not rent's not too bad. Buy property is pretty good. Um, people like people around here are like, oh, it's so expensive to buy a house these days in Iowa City. And I'm like, go live in Boston where I'm from <laughs> and you will see. So, you know, it's all a matter of, you know, where where you end up to and what your circumstances are. So luckily we went over the recent uh, finan financial literacy mm -hmm. um, loan forgiveness programs. After you graduate, you can um, uh, apply to these programs and work in a un underserved area and your debt would mm -hmm. be paid off. So us as undergrad students are definitely looking into that because it's something we're interested in, where we're passionate about serving underserved communities, and we also get to pay off our student debt. Excellent. So two for two. So here, here's the part two to the education cost question. You guys kind of already kind of answered this, but you can also choose to answer it in terms of like maybe future students, like not, not you, but like the class that'll come after you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, as students or future students, uh, how do you think the rising cost of higher education is going to affect like either your outlook on the future or people who come after who have even higher costs? How is it going to affect their outlook on the future? So, so like, will this, you think this will like make more people go into higher education or less, or is it going to like dissuade people or? Um, I personally think that unfortunately this will make it that so that we lose a lot of future professionals yeah. because it's the truth. People are scared of that. And um, to say that we're going to be doctors, dentists, yeah, we can pay it off. But those who want to go into something like the performing arts, mm -hmm. they will take longer, unfortunately, which it shouldn't be that way. And so um, with the rising costs, we have, you know, it's affecting negatively our future professionals. And I have to agree also that it would be harder with the rising costs. Um, students are already finding it hard to be like, part work time per se or and go to school full time um, or even go to school part time and finding a balance to go to school and be like to live essentially is in itself a task um, so with the rising cost of school and being able to live it's it's uh, scarcely feasible yeah and going off that I think that probably um, what's going to be kind of the in thing is students are going to want to go to schools. Well, they already do, but they're going to really want to go to schools that give them the most money. Right now, I feel that most students want to go to like the biggest school, the partiest school, the the school with the coolest windows or something. But eventually... I've been looking for a school with really good windows. Eventually are these low E windows... <laughs> Are they double pane, triple pane? <laughs> what's what's low E? Low energy. Oh, wait. Windows use energy? No, they. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Conduction. Are these those electric Are these windows? Those electric windows. <laughs> Every window has been plugged in. <laughs> yeah. I'm... No, I. I because a lot of schools are like they're doing things to attract students now, mm -hmm. like putting in giant um, recreation centers. We have oh, a beautiful yeah. one here in Iowa. It's really nice. That it's went really in several years ago. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, but they do things like that. And then, you know, it, it makes it tough to turn that money around and use it for things like scholarships. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the money comes from the same place. I'm not really sure what I'm talking about there, but 
the point is, you know, if it's going towards a building, it's not going towards um, scholarships, which, you know, might be a problem also. I think there's also a shift, though, in going to, like, say, a big party school, like you said, um, to, like, a smaller localized community college. Because you save a lot of money. As the college students, we save a lot of money going to a community college and then transferring to a bigger school. Mm-hmm. We still get the same kind of education, but we cut our costs by maybe tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, but you miss out on the party. The party, you can party at home, maybe. I went to I went to UMass, which uh, UMass Amherst, which back in the day was known as a party school. I'm not really sure what its status is now, but you know, it was true. I partook partook in parties, um, not very much, but it was known. Um, and I think Iowa's got a reputation. Yeah, or has had a reputation, <laughs> yeah. right? It was a pretty big reputation when I went here. Like, I think it might have still is. Is it simmered of, down? Is it still a is? I don't know. Yeah. It's not as much um, as when my sister started just a couple of years before I did, but it definitely still was a big party school. Yeah. It's not a reputation that we relish. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> among the uh, the administration. Yeah, so, so there's, we're trying to do things to to tamp that down. I remember back in uh, 2012, 2013 when I came here, like Iowa was like number one party school mm-hmm. for like some big national journal or something like I'm that. I'm not going to, you know, was, I have a theory all of a sudden. It's me. No, is that, <laughs> Whatever yeah, school is that I'm when you, involved in. Is that, is that yes, when sir. you came here? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it took, it took a decade <laughs> for my influence, for my influence to be felt here at Iowa. I'm just, it's, it's possible. It, I'm not going to. You know, I think it's you, Dave. Okay. I don't need any research to, 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 <laughs> no, to tell me otherwise. It's final. <laughs> no science sure. necessary. No science necessary. Yeah, Dave. So talking about Dave and Dave, <laughs> Dave's parents. <laughs> <laughs> so um, about 3 million baby boomers will hit retirement age every year for about the next 20 years. This will push the proportion of Medicare eligible Americans to 20% of the population by 2029 from an estimated 13% previously in 2011. Meanwhile, the percentage of people ages 18 to 65, AKA those in the population able to pay into Medicare will drop to an estimated 57% by 2029 from 63% in 2011. The Institute of Medicine forecasts a need for all types of caregivers obviously because we're gonna have a big shortage so as aspiring healthcare professionals what comes to mind concerning the situation this is like a quiz it's a quiz yeah. it's not really a quiz but i just want to like you know like what do you guys think um my biggest worry um i want to go into dermatology and that involves working with the baby boomers and just about anyone but my biggest worry would be that those that cannot get into the Medicare actually don't seek help. And that's even more expensive because mm-hmm. then you're treating someone who's further into an illness than at the beginning. And so I just think that here we we need to find a way so that everyone is kind of like keeping up with their health rather than waiting for it to deteriorate and then come see the professional, the physician. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that in that if we, if it's unattainable, then people are just going to push it aside and shove it under the door and say, okay, unless something is so bad that I'm unable to move, you know, then that's a problem. So that's a really big issue that 
is going to have to be taken care of some way or the another. I don't have an answer. <laughs> so that was just a long way of saying I don't know. <laughs> um, with Medicare? Medicare. M- Medicare, yeah. yeah. Um, we definitely have to invest in it more now, looking into the future. Um, because once, I guess, the Phoebe boomers are... More, say more like m- maybe more rely on Medicare and there's not enough of it um, is that the problem and like Kianka said some population populations or people who can't afford the regular care might not be reached on the flip side mm-hmm. for us as future health professionals um, potential future health professionals the leave in baby boomers gives us an opportunity to fill in these gaps and us being in the Chappette program, wanting to serve our communities and um, address health disparities, this gives us an opportunity to fill in what the baby boomers missed. And being in this situation um, of power is something to really um, be looking forward and forward to in the future. So there is some grimness, but there's also some hope. Hey, hey, Dave. Yeah. What do you think of the chances that Donald Trump listens to this podcast? Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, if I've, Mr. I look President, forward to a tweet storm. Mr. President, if you're listening, I think that uh, the whole the whole future trend on Medicare needs to be addressed very soon. Danny McCone, please. Bad for America. <laughs> Snapping fingers all around. What he says on his, on that podcast. Fake news. Fake news. Terrible. It's all fake news. Oh. Terrible. Sad. Fake news. All right. But in all seriousness, it's this is gonna need to be addressed within the next two or three elections because if yes, if we don't fair. change policy either in like making Medicare M- M- Medicare better or adding more money to it or at least stop cutting it every year, mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be really bad. And this is also gonna affect, you know, um people who wanna go into medicine like uh uh people who are in the residency that they're paid through Medicare. Yes. So if you're cutting Medicare, that that's going to disincentivize medical that's going to disincentivize, disincentivize medical students to become medical students and then you're going to have less residents, which is going to be less doctors for a higher population. So it's just mm-hmm. if this doesn't get, you know, taken care of, it's it's going to be a mess. The problem with, with with this discussion is that it assumes that people are thinking in a holistic way, you know, like about the knock-on effects of certain decisions. The baby boomers, I'm a Gen Xer, don't be fooled by my elderly, <laughs> don't be fooled by my elderly appearance. You weren't fooled. Um, my, <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer, but my parents' generation certainly contributed to the problem by, um, not paying attention to these things by voting mm-hmm. people in into office who um you know didn't look at things in a holistic way just wanted to you know for instance cut taxes um not pay into medicare in favor of other programs mm-hmm. like you know we, i mean we could mention any number of them defense defense mm-hmm. yeah Jesus. exactly i mean to some extent the baby boomers uh made their own beds Unfortunately, the problem is that the Gen Xers, the Gen Yers, the the uh, millennials, there's a generation in between there, I'm sure. The millennials, you know, y'all, we're all going to pay for that, those decisions. 
Um, and uh, yeah, we've got it. You're right. We've got to we've got to figure this out. We've got to start thinking. It's, we've got to start thinking globally instead of. And by globally, I mean on the problem as a the problems as a whole as affecting each other, mm-hmm. and not as individual pieces. It's a lot easier to think about individual pieces. Um, but you know. But you know, Dave, it's knock-on not, effects are important. But you know, it's not all gloom and doom, right? So there, we'll there's, see. there's hope. The, the, the article. I am definitely a glasses half empty person. <laughs> the article had some hope. So uh, changes in healthcare reimbursement. Uh, Gosh that, darn baby boomers! Yeah, baby boomers. <laughs> hey, but they're not all bad. There was a silver lining that that was a good attribute of the baby boomers, and that is that they are very open to change. Not really open to change, but they're they're more willing to change. Than are they? Than parents. What? That's what the internet told me. <laughs> so I am going to take it as a yes until I hear otherwise. All right. Explain. But, so they're they're more likely to be involved in their healthcare decisions, which is going to save costs and people getting treatments that they didn't want. More likely than previous generations. Yes, more so, likely yeah, okay. to be involved. Like if you're going to do a procedure, they, they want to know what's going to happen, how it's going to yeah. happen, mm-hmm. how long they're going to be under for, yada, yada, yada. Right. And so this is going to hopefully um, reduce medical errors that are due to bad communication between the patient and the doctor. Right. And baby boomers are more um, friendly to the Internet. And so a big part of future healthcare is likely to be healthcare that's provided online or quote unquote e-care, e-healthcare. And we're kind of already having that now. Mm-hmm. I know at the yeah. at the at the college here, they're starting programs where they are pairing um, patients with translators that are in a distant spot to doctors. That we're kind of having like online translation as well too. And I imagine that that's only going to expand as te- as technology improves as well. Did you guys discuss um, telemedicine or things like that in uh, all? No, we haven't. Not, not yet. We talked yeah. about um, maybe like change in technology and how mm-hmm. we have to adapt to it, but mm-hmm. not really of telemedicine. It just feels like something that's um, poised to change. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, there's a lot of discussion about it. There's a lot of experimentation with it right now, um, even some implementation. But uh, it feels like something that's poised to, uh, you know, really transform um, medicine, especially in places like Iowa. I think there's also a, a wave of having care at the home instead of caring, um, say, like calling an emergency, e, uh, emer- yeah, calling for the ER, because preventative care is ultimately the best sort of care. Mm-hmm. That'll save not only like uh, baby boomers costs, but the entire country costs. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was reading about um, Atul Gawande. And he, the fact, I don't, I don't know if you guys know Atul Gawande, but he is a... Um, could, could you spell that, Dave? I'm sure... To... A-T-U-L. A-T-U-L. G-A-W-A-N-D-E. Okay, it came up. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I would not have gotten that. Okay. So he's a physician author. Um, one of the things he focuses on is how healthcare can get better. One of his ideas, for instance, is the implementation of checklists in places like operating rooms. So this seems like a no-brainer to me, but a lot of operating rooms around the world um, 
just sort of fly by the seat of their pants in terms of like, you know, okay, we know what to do. We'll do it. But what he has said, for instance, is checklists, have a checklist for everything. The checklist will cover 95%, let's say, of all of the situations that you run into. And by using these checklists, you will save lives, you will save money. Now, so as far back as, uh, as recently as a decade ago, this wasn't a thing. Now, a third of the operating rooms around the world apparently use um, these sorts of, of checklists. So, so the reason I brought him up, though, is he has been tapped by Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and Chase mm-hmm. companies to lead their healthcare, their efforts, their healthcare efforts, basically to form a healthcare insurance company that will focus on these sorts of issues, lowering the costs of care by... Um, by doing things like encouraging hospitals to not provide more care, but providing, but by providing the right care. So there's an incentive right now in healthcare because of the way pay payers um, incentivize um, procedures and things like that to provide more healthcare rather than the right healthcare. Oh yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. I forgot to mention that that was one of the optimistic changes that they had in the article was. There is a shift in healthcare reimbursement to reward the value, aka the quality of care, rather than to reward the volume of care, which was was previously the model. Was mm-hmm. it, it, it was it was all about how many patients you saw. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about how any of them did. So there's just this push just to get people in. Just how many to, procedures you yeah, did? How many tests yeah. you ordered? How many things you did? But now it's like okay, now we care more about the quality and the result of the care, which is which I think will lower costs. Because Carol will improve. The, the, we talked about the Gawande thing um, a couple of shows ago because we were a little puzzled. Like, Gawande seemed to say in public statements, like, this is going to change the world. And we're like, well, but wait a minute. You're just working for Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and Chase. Well, what you have to remember about what I, what I realized recently in reading an article or what an article pointed out to me recently is that, well, these are big companies. You know, these are companies that can start changing the way healthcare works um so uh, you know i'll post an i'll post this i'll post the article that i read in the show notes over at the shortcode.com you guys can read about it okay at yeah. some point mm-hmm. but um seems like they're going to try to change the way this this whole thing works i hope they do i think it'd be better if it was more value based not volume yeah. based yeah. Oh, yeah. trouble is value is tough right yeah because then the question is well how do you measure value because we've, because mm. there's been things like, okay, patient questionnaires, for instance. Yeah. Like, how happy are you with your care? Is that a measure of value? That's actually been used, quite, you know, surveys like that have actually been used to, you know, reward or pay, penalize hospitals um, reimbursement from Medicare and Medicaid. It's kind of tricky because... It's tough. Yeah, it's almost like, it's almost like the healthcare systems turning into like almost a, like monopoly business like yes. just trying to please people sometimes mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that you don't want that to happen yeah like a lot of doctors are like well you know sometimes we have to give patients bad news like you know yeah like, stop eating that <laughs> yeah or you know you need to do this thing that you don't want to do 
that's not good news for the patient and they're not going to like that. So then we get penalized. Huh? Right. Yeah, you, you definitely, I think every, every healthcare professional definitely has a very keen understanding of um, an individual's like sensitivity. Just no, no, no doctor is going to be say it flat out. I mean, no good doctor, I guess, but there, you have to sometimes like make a subtle move. Like, okay, I mean, finesse the news. Yeah, a little bit. you have like, to know how to not really not cover it up, but not try to make it bigger a bigger deal than it is. But or just communicate it in a way that yeah. is palatable to the patient, right? Yeah, you don't want to say, hey. You know, lose weight. Cause, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because no. really, sometimes that can make the biggest difference in a right. in a patient leaving that office and saying, "My doctor is the best doctor in the world," or "My doctor." Ugh. And then I, I think, among other things that I've wondered about, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've wondered, like, okay, well, hospitals who want to measure patient satisfaction, or systems that want to measure patient satisfaction as a measure of quality, at what point does that incentivize, say? adding an amusement park to the hospital, you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Metaphorically speaking, but you know, or, or a fountain. You know. Right. I, I kind of think that it can kind of be measured through just attention. Um, I do think it's something we like a little bit where we have the physician who is the one with, you know, not more knowledge, but the one who's supposed to be leading and is not available at all times. But then we have, the nurses who are and so we kind of rely on them and sometimes they're not trained to do such a thing but they kind of have to because the physician's not available and so it's kind of like in the hands of the physician to make him or herself available and actually treat the patient like a person we're supposed to make that connections with the patients yep exactly and that can go a long way to making people feel satisfied with their cares if they feel like their their doctor understands them paid attention to them if anything, it's important to make the patient feel like they are listened to and that their problems are legitimate. I mean, there may be some cases where it's you can tell as a, as a physician that maybe something's, uh, something's wrong or something's not quite right. But the most important thing for you as a physician is to listen to your patient yeah. across all fields, no matter what. Sounds good to me. Yeah, you know, on the uh, on the off chance the folks at Shpep are listening to this uh, podcast. Hello. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, is there Hello. is there one thing about Shpep you guys? If you, so, if you could change anything about Shpep, what would it be? Wow. Sounds. Oh. I, when I first heard the uh, the the way you say Shpep, I was like, what? Yeah. That's such an interesting way to say it. Shpep. But, oh, Shpep. I know what I would change for sure. <laughs> okay, that's you. She just, she just <laughs> wants to change the name. I would, okay, the they thing is- They need a cooler acronym. A lot of, that that too, yes. <laughs> um, a lot of people that I told um, before the program began that I was going to Shpep was, they said, what is it? So are you doing yes. research? Is it an internship? They just didn't really know. So I wish there was a word that could describe, I know it's- education program or you can say it's an enrichment program but i refer to it as like baby med school baby dental school that's what i just told people and i think that come that brings that brings the idea across to people that don't know what the program is about 
So I would say, got to figure out the right way for the kit for people to explain it to other people. All right. So yeah, make okay. up a new word. We need yeah. a that's, new. That's yes. That's your. Uh, that's that's your direction. Because right now it's it's like a six word explanation. Yeah. And even when people are like, huh? Yeah, like, is yeah. it internship? Not really. Is no. it is research? research? No. No. Yeah. no. It's yeah. It's like baby. It's it's like baby med school. For the baby before it goes to baby med school. Yeah, it's oh, well. fetus. <laughs> it's, fetus it's, med it's, school. It's fetus med school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Well, what? What would I change? I personally loved the hands-on activities, like the suturing lab or the cadaver lab. Lab, I would actually add more of those, just because yes. it's a way where you're applying what you already learned, or you're learning by application. So um, definitely add more hands-on activities. I think we enjoy the hands-on activities a lot more. Like they're very fun. We get to interact with. Um, people in our cohort yeah but in our own track as well um it's super fun i like yeah actually so it's organized into different tracks you're not all mm -hmm. just like slammed together a lot of the time right mm -hmm. right okay yeah i seem to remember that hearing that um any other thoughts about Shpep? what would you what what do you like most about it did we did we ask that question i, oh, I, I have that's a good question yeah that's a good question you, you, you can add that in yeah go for it what would you like most about okay Shpep? i'm gonna answer okay okay so the number one thing that i'm pretty sure any Shpepper will also say is the, the people here and i kid you not when i say that like even even Teneme, even the RAs. Oh, even me. Even Teneme. Even me. Teneme. Oh yeah. Like special. I'm, I'm special. <laughs> just like in, I know it sounds so cliche, but inspired because most of us don't have a role model to look up to when we go um, back to our home institution. So it's like, dang, that 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 could be me. Like that's cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's it's a, it's sort of a model. For, as we said before, you know, we were talking about, you know, getting help, right? Yeah. Um, this is a model for you when you're done with your medical, done, when you're further along in your medica, medical education to be that person for somebody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um, I personally like the connections we're making just because it's kind of hard as an undergrad to just put yourself up out there not knowing what to expect. And so having people who went through it or people who are willing actually to tell you what to do, you just have to do it, um, is very helpful. And, um, and so I would, I'm actually extra thankful for Dr. Martinez. She cares for each and every single one of us, along with everyone from Chapep, including Tina May. Oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's my favorite part, just the attention that we get. I have to agree with both of you guys, oh my gosh, the people, the connections, but also the amount of resources. You meet so many professionals here and they are willing to talk to you. They are willing to help you. You think like, I don't, I did, like coming in, I thought, okay, maybe I'll just go and kind of get out. But coming here, I really do believe that I can make it to a health professional school, no matter what field I go into. You have the support here from your fellow Shepeppers, but you also have Teneme, Omar, and Dr. Martinez, as well as the health professionals we met at the lectures. It really feels like you can make it. Yeah. Yeah. 
you kind of touched on the next question, but I guess I'll pose it to the rest of you guys. <laughs> so how has Shpep changed you? Wow, I felt that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, personally, for me, it has made me take into consideration other health professions, not as an option for me, because I know why I want dermatology for sure. Um, but take into consideration that we need to work as a team for the patient. We need to get together and call, email, whatever is needed for the patient. We're here for the patient. So um, that's just the main priority. It made me definitely a per- like a person who's more aware of the world I'm in. Not Not to say that I wasn't kind of aware before, but now it's like expanded times 10. Like we talked about before in our session, we don't exist in silos. We work as a team, but most importantly, we are not alone in our struggles to professional school and as a physician or dentist or pharmacist or what what have you. Um, the importance of listening as well that I've emphasized, um, listening as a physician and as a colleague is again really important um because in our struggles in undergrad and in health professional school we may feel like oh i'm not being listened to my 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 struggles aren't that important people really do care and i feel like i have gotten out i've gotten out a lot from this program that my struggles really do matter i actually didn't really know i wanted to do healthcare before i applied um I knew I wanted to do something where I made people happy, but of course anyone can say that. Um, so dentistry, it, when I came here and got to shadow doctors and the D3 students and we did um, impressions and made cast models of our mouths, I was I was watching the students as they were helping us and I was like, that that's what I want to do. I want to be that. And there was no denying that I was going to do anything else pretty much. So um, just confirming, look, it, it's possible. You can do this. It's not going to be um, just an idea, a dream that you thought of when you were like three years old. And also, I want to add that um, it made me look at people in a new light. Um, uh, a lot of the students here have either some sort of disadvantage, whether it's racial, economic, and you look at people sometimes and just judge them. You say, oh, this, I know that person has it all figured out, but deep inside there's a bigger meaning or something. Okay, yeah. There's a deeper meaning. (laughs) There's a deeper meaning. (laughs) You don't really know what you're going through. Yeah, you you really have no way of knowing. I think that's the the biggest thing you learn as you get older. It's like you, you, you realize how much you don't know. Yeah. Um, about yourself, the world, and others. Med school is yeah. interesting in that in that area. I've noticed, like, yeah. <clears throat> you look around you and you see, oh my god, look at all these people who are succeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, this guy over here. Like, as a if I was another med student, right, and I looked around and I see all these people like doing real well in their exams and like basically kicking ass. And if I'm struggling a little bit, you know, I look at those other people and go, what am I doing wrong? But the truth is inside every single one of you guys in med school, we're all thinking that that you're all <laughs> thinking that about each other. It's really interesting. Yeah. 
um, and in some ways unfortunate um, because if you were able to be sort of, and we're pretty open, I think a lot of us are pretty open in med school about the struggles. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's just so tempting to compare yourself to somebody else and go, well, look, they're, they, they're doing real well. They don't seem to be struggling at all with this subject Mm -hmm. or this lifestyle or whatever the problem is. It's not true. Yeah. That, that actually brings, I remember this, um, I guess allegory. Um, if anyone is a nerd fighter out there, shout out to (laughs) Hank and John Green. Um, he posted a video once and the story goes like this so two fish are swimming in a pond and they swim by an older fish and the older fish greets the younger fish and says hey guys how's the water and the two fish swim by nothing strange at all and then one of the younger fish tells its other younger fish friend what the hell is water and so that's like just a perfect illustration of like Man, we just sometimes don't even know about what we're even aware of. Right. So. Yeah. Totally. All right. So next, I have I have some questions for you guys. Some would you rather? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> just sighs. Okay. Okay. So the first one. Um, would you Would you rather eat only ice cream for the rest of your life? <gasps> Or have everyone else in the world sound like Gilbert Gottfried? <gasps> Do they even know who Gilbert Gottfried I'm, is? I'm sure. I'm sure they know his voice. Probably not. Probably not yeah! his name. Wait, okay. So uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Yes. He's he's a guy <laughs> who, who, who plays uh, the parrot in Aladdin. Yeah. Okay. You guys know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that for all voices or ice cream every day. <laughs> Um, I would eat ice cream every day, even though I'm not a huge fan. <gasps> That's okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I was so focused on knowing what, on my Gilbert Godfrey impression. <laughs> I can't remember what the Gilbert Godfrey item was. Would you rather eat ice cream or... Yeah, so eat, eat only ice cream. Only ice cream. Rest of your life. Or have everyone else in the world sound like Gilbert Gottfried. Even myself? I don't, who wants every, to listen every, to that? Every, everyone else. So, so, okay, yeah, yeah. So you would still sound like you. Oh, okay, okay. But everyone else would sound like some version of gotcha, Gilbert gotcha. Gottfried. <laughs> I don't think I could put up with that all day. I think I'd rather just have the yeah. uh, ice cream. For me upset stomachs for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'd rather have yeah. upset stomachs in the future. Sure. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I like either of those choices. I like ice cream. Choose your poison. Have you have you oh, seen man. the Facebook video where he, he's reading Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that, I, was, I was like, it, uh, it, it broke all context. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, if everybody in the world spoke like Gilbert Gottfried, you'd be the weirdo. Yeah. That's true. Like, what's wrong with that guy? Or you'd yeah. be the unique one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have so am many the, friends. Am I the only one concerned about our health if we would eat <laughs> ice cream every day? I would time? be concerned yeah. as, about your vocal health yeah. if you spoke like Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a strain. You just gotta yeah. pick your poison, I guess. All right. Um, all right, this next one's a little, little bit more upbeat. Would you rather have... <laughs> that was so somber. <laughs> would you rather have unlimited uh, rather have unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos for life? No. Oh, you, can't, you, 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 you can't have both. <laughs> unlimited sushi I think, all the way. I think I'd go with sushi. I, I'm really oh, liking yeah. sushi. Sushi's life. I don't have it a lot, but I think that's why I like it. If I had it 
maybe unlimited maybe i'd hate it i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna do a strategic move on this and say tacos because i know you can separate the tacos i mean the ingredients in the tacos <laughs> and um you can make a few different combinations you talk taco okay. sandwich yeah. tacos yeah. see that crush it up taco soup <laughs> that my friends is why she is a future yes. superstar in dentistry, dentistry. dentistry. Yes. she thinks outside the box although i would point out that you can also separate sushi unless you're having pureed sushi oh. what's that i don't know mm, that's <laughs> anyway, you can have sushi every day if you wanted to they sell sushi in the cafeterias oh. But I already, I already have so much debt, Dave. I can't. I can't get more debt. eat tacos, sushi, but that's not a thing. That's kind of weird. Tacos, <laughs> tacos sushi. Is that a th- I've seen like those fusion, hey. like taco rito. No, no, no. With pho rito. There you go. I hear if it. Not. I guess you could what just, you just like slice a taco. Um, pho rito. So it's a Vietnamese pho. Oh, pho rito. Oh, pho rito. It's interesting. Um. But I don't know if I would mix the two together, but sushi and tacos together sound interesting. Uh, maybe not. I, I, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why, Why not? not? You know, <laughs> that can you know, be, we are, be good. We are collecting recipes for med school success mm-hmm. over at theshortcoat.com. Mm-hmm. If anybody has a recipe for pho tacos, ta- pho burrito, what, what was it? Burrito. Furritos. Furritos. <laughs> Go ahead and submit it. That sounds like a winner. Oh, yeah. Right there. Oh, I don't God. know if it's copyrighted TM. Hope, hope not. Yeah. Oh, that one is? <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's uh, an, a, some place makes it, but. We well, make up a name that's not yeah. copyrighted. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. If you do, if you submit a recipe, of course, I will send you a free copy of the, whatever it is we come up with out of this effort. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next one. It's a little bit, a little bit less fun than the last one, but not too bad. Be itchy. I love how you review them before you do them. (laughs) I want to get you guys in the right mindset. All right. So, uh, be itchy for the rest of your life or sticky. No. For the rest of oh, your life. Oh. <laughs> I'm already both. <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem for sure. Um, I think I'd rather be itchy because I found that if you start thinking about chocolate, it goes away. Oh. What? These, yeah, like just try it out. It worked so I've well. I've never even thought to think about doing that. It's pretty much the idea of just taking your mind off of it. But being sticky, you cannot take your mind. Is this a Brazilian thing? Like you know what? We do this in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I remember going to recitals and my mom did all the makeup, and I'm like, oh, it's itchy. She's like, just think about chocolate, and it worked. Oh, moms. So, okay. Oh yeah. Oh, moms. She sounds. She sounds very. She sounds good. She sounds good. <laughs> All right. I think I personally would rather be itchy. Why? I mean, sticky. I would rather be sticky. (laughs) I'm sorry. I would rather be sticky. Um, They both sound like horrible states of being. (laughs) But, um, you know, I could probably soothe the sticky feeling by like jumping into a a cold shower or, or something like that. But that wouldn't work. You would still feel sticky. Yeah. That's the, that's yeah. the, that's the promise of the question. There's, there's yeah, no but, escaping the sticky. <laughs> no. But but it would ameliorate it a little bit. Ameliorate. That's the second time I've yeah. used that word. <laughs> I just want to point out, 
pretty big vocabulary. Wait, wait. So ten minute, t- ten minute. How sticky are we talking about? Very, talking what about? kind of sticky? Yeah, are we sticky. actually covered in goo? No, oh. no. Like not something that you're covered, but you, you would always feel like you're sticky. Sweaty, sticky. No, sticky, sticky. Oh, okay. Like, like tacky, like, sort not, of. Not, not tacky. A, a little bit more fashionable than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. The fashionable. But, yeah, sticky. but like a, a a functional sticky. Okay, I would be sticky because I would get a workout by vacuuming the floor just by rolling around in it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, your own lint, the living lint roller. Lint roller. The living, yeah, I, I go sticky as well. I can't handle itchy. Itchy would, itchy would take up too much of my day to day, like scratching the itch. Well, so I'd rather be sticky. Yeah. Uh, well, also, I mean, it, you're itchy on your entire body. I'm assuming. Like it's not just a oh 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 yeah 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 you open up way yeah you're, new doors if you're, here if you're <laughs> itchy all over your body you're oh, screwed that's not, yeah, that's not fun you're screwed if you're because you only have two hands Dave <laughs> exactly <laughs> you, have two you can hands. become a bear and use a tree <laughs> or you can you know, get your family member and you know and that's no never mind that's in their, their territory but uh, we dads do that anyway <laughs> come here son scratch my back. <laughs> Uh, um, I like I'd rather be itchy because I'm already itchy enough with yeah. the weather and stuff than skin. I don't. I think you're underestimating. Okay, <laughs> I have to argue this. One. <laughs> okay, go go for it. This is a heated debate. Certain. Let's let me put it this way: certain mucous membranes, if they're itchy, will drive you mad. Oh yeah. Right. Think about that. Okay. I know. I just put a really lovely. You know what? That actually reminds me. I've never been itchy in my armpit. Not now that you say that. Never. I've never been itchy. My... No. Really? I, I use... I've never itched my. This armpit. is a bit personal, but I have to use <laughs> special deodorant because really? Really? my. If I put like a regular deodorant on my armpit, I will be. I will itch for days. I have never been itchy in my armpit. It just some comes suddenly. Sometimes though, you just sleep and you're like, oh, I have an itch, and it goes away. Yeah. We're learning a lot about each other. Yeah. <laughs> I feel closer to all of you. Yeah. Because of this. All right. Last last one. Sell all your possessions or sell one of your organs. Oh. I mean, some of them you have a copy kind yeah. of. So. Yeah, but it's risky. It's risky. Is it I mean, you don't get to avoid the risks of, of surgery. Yeah. It's go through surgery, recovery. I think I'd still go with. Could uh, I get more possessions later? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh. We, we have to sell. Oh. Could I use right okay. the money from selling my possessions to get more possessions? Uh, how much is, are your possessions? I, technically, you could because it, yeah. it, it said it said sell, not donate. So yeah, I guess. Oh, I guess that's. But w- would you get more for an organ though? It, mm. Well, that's illegal in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't sell organs, can you? Yeah. No. Are you trying to? No, of course not. No, of course not. Come on, I'm an upstanding student. All right. I see we're getting that medical. Okay. Trying to pay off this deck. Hmm. I'm gonna go with the organ. I think I would sell a kidney because I mean, like, like not to make money, but I think it'd be nice to have one more kidney in circulation to help people who need kidneys. Yeah, exactly. And you can't sell it. Huh? You just oh, wait, said you would sell a true. kidney. You cannot sell it. I mean, in, in the context of the, the question, yeah, the yeah, I would, yeah, would yeah, donate, of course. Okay, yeah, but the uh, the question was sell. So I said, yes. Tenemay just scuttled his chance oh, for residency. Oh, no. He's oh, like, oh, we're oh. not going to hire Tenemay. He's going to sell his cell organs <laughs> to pay for no, school. Donate the kidney. That's how residency program directors talk, by the way. Is that really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh my. It's good to know. Like nineteen uh, twenties, robber barons. 
Um, well, I think I would. I think I would donate a kidney because you're right. Yes. Uh, world needs more organs. Yep. Um, and I can still sell my possessions. Yeah, oh, I, you, you oh. do both a kidney and the possessions. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't. Oh wait, oh, no, wait, but, but but wait, Dave. A good guy would give it to Goodwill for free. But my you, kidney? No, I don't think Goodwill wants my kidney. No, your possessions, but you want to sell them. I'm telling that to the to the board. The board of what? Of uh, of of important people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm shaking in my boots. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose you're right. Did you everybody donate your possessions? I yeah. would I would definitely be on the same boat and donate my kidney. Because it's like, it's kind of like a secret. Like nobody would know if you had a, one less kidney or not. Are you worried and about the, are you worried about the, the public backlash of having <laughs> one fewer <laughs> kidney, but thank God they're concealed? Think, think about like what a connection that would spark. If you're like, oh yeah, I, I donated a kidney and you're like, oh yeah, so did I. And you're like. Kidney sisters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Kidney sisters. Brothers or all right. So you you're saying that you might you might meet some the person who has your I'm confused. You might meet the person who has your kidney. I'm just saying it's another level of connection. Like yeah, sure, we're from the same place. Or but I'm sure. in you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the good term. That was uh, that was creepy. <laughs> oh, just a thought. Okay, all right. Well, I will just say to the to our listeners, if you're listening, hello, hello, listeners. I hope they're listening. <laughs> hello, listeners. What the hell have I been doing for the past one hour and two minutes? If any of you are sophomore or undergrads in the U.S. or Brazil or Puerto Rico or just about anywhere, I encourage you to look into this the SHPEP program, the Summer Health Professions Education Program. As you can see, students get a lot out of this. And if you're available, if you're accepted, it's all free. It's all paid for. They'll fly you out. So you really have, to, you really have nothing to lose. I encourage everybody who, is, who has a laptop computer and an internet connection. And if you don't, go find a library and apply. And you might meet Taname. Probably not, but you might. <laughs> if you're lucky. If you're lucky, you'll even meet me. There you go. Or maybe if you apply in the future... And one of us is oh, there, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, we'll, oh, yeah. Could be us in your place, yeah, yeah. yeah, they could be where I'm at. <laughs> we could be your RAs. Yeah. Just listening in the future. Mm -hmm. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. That's awesome. Which is funny because someone here might know someone back in Brazil or Texas or Seattle. And you just find these little connections that will take you there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Before we go... I want to remind our listeners. Are we going? Yeah, we're, okay. we're gone. Before we go, I want to remind our listeners that they should contribute their favorite recipes for med student success at theshortcode.com. Look for the orange send in a recipe button to add your delectable delight. I'll send you an SCP key fob if you include your contact info. And every contributor gets a free copy of the final cookbook where, whenever that comes out in whatever form it comes out. Contributors like Tracy and her or his picante peanut noodles Kelly's Mac and Dog, and Jen's Calabacitas, which I don't know what that is, but I'm going to look it up later because it sounds good. We'll be putting a link to all the topics we've discussed on today's show uh, at theshortcoat.com. But for now, that is our show. Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me today. It was really nice to meet you all. Thanks thank for having us. And, yeah, thank uh, you. I no longer feel nice. stressed out about your presence in the studio. <laughs> oh. 
Thank you, listeners, for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, we hope you, we've earned your subscription. Not only do we give out free key fobs, but we give out free advice. Might even be good advice, so send your questions and whatever you like to the shortcoats at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message at, three, at 347 short CT. We'll talk about it on the show. The show is made possible by generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.